Today, at the beginning of the earthly ministry of Messiah, we'll meet some of Jesus' friends and see how they help us learn more about him. Thanks for listening to The Bible Brief. There was a man in the wilderness whose name was John. And John was an odd sort of fellow. This was a man who wore camel's hair for clothing and ate locusts and wild honey for his meals. John was a prophet, and his job was different than many of the other prophets. His job was to prepare the way of the Lord. John was supposed to essentially prepare the people for the arrival of Messiah on the scene. And one of the ways that he prepared people was something called baptism, an immersion in water to represent something. In John's case, he was immersing people as a means of demonstrating repentance from sin. Baptism to show that a person was turning away from their sins and back to God. And John was doing this in the Jordan River there in the land of Canaan, which on a Roman map was called Judea. Here's a short account from the Bible about John. John was baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John was in a way fertilizing the ground before the Messiah was to come along and plant. John was baptizing with water, but Messiah would baptize with the Holy Spirit. Somehow, Messiah was going to immerse people with the Holy Spirit, and we'll explain that in a future episode. For now, remember this. John was here to prepare the way for Messiah, and he was baptizing people in the process. Now one day, when Jesus was about 30 years old, he approaches the Jordan River where John is baptizing. And we read this. John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And Jesus had come to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. This event where Jesus is baptized by the prophet John is commonly understood as the beginning of Jesus' ministry on earth. He's identified as the Son of God, and we see the Trinity essentially confirming this identity. 
The Father says from heaven, This is my beloved Son, while the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus like a dove. The Father and the Spirit are essentially saying, This is the Son. Further, you may have noticed that John identifies him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The sacrifice of God. The body prepared for the cross. In this baptism scene, Jesus is shown to be the Son of God who came as a man to die like a lamb as a sacrifice. Jesus is identified as God's solution to the sin problem. And then after this comes another confirmation but from a rather odd source, in a rather odd way. After the baptism of Jesus, the Holy Spirit drives Jesus out into the wilderness. And there in the wilderness, Jesus is tempted by Satan for 40 days. That ancient enemy from the garden is trying to thwart the plan of God by causing Jesus to sin. There in the wilderness, Satan offers the kingdom of the world to Jesus. If only Jesus would bow down to Satan and worship him. A shortcut of sorts. Jesus could avoid the pain and difficulty of his life and take a shortcut to David's throne. If he would simply deny not only his own identity, but deny the Father and the Spirit. All he had to do was bow down to Satan, and he could have had the kingdom without the cross. Well, perhaps needless to say, Jesus didn't do that. Handing the enemy of God and man victory was not part of God's plan. Satan was to be crushed, not worshipped. And the day of Satan's defeat would come soon, but not yet. Jesus had work to do. And soon, as these 40 days of temptation by Satan were over, Satan left Jesus. Jesus' identity had been confirmed not just by the Father and the Holy Spirit at Jesus' baptism, but also later by their enemy, Unwittingly, Satan's temptations gave Jesus opportunity to demonstrate the purity and total moral righteousness of himself. Jesus was tempted with the most desired things, but did not succumb to the temptations. And in resisting, he demonstrated and confirmed his perfection and his identity. Having been confirmed, now it was time to get to work. And Jesus picked up the same message that John had been preaching. Jesus began to teach and preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Said another way, Turn from your sin and back to God. The kingdom of God is coming. The king was here, and the kingdom was coming. Jesus was giving opportunity for people to see the king and to learn about the coming kingdom. He was calling the Jews to believe in him. Now, Jesus' work wasn't something that he did alone he decided to call some people to be his disciples and helpers. Men who would follow Jesus closely, learn from him, and teach others about him. And this was a common occurrence at the time, as teachers of the Jews would often take on disciples to be with the teacher and to learn from them. However, while most teachers of Jesus' day would have called the well-educated and well-respected, Jesus called the well-regular Not people who had been to the best schools and had the best prospects for future success. Many were fishermen, and there was even a tax collector, one of the most hated professions by the Jews. Not that people love tax collectors today. They were just particularly hated then. The point is, Jesus called regular men. And most commonly, he called them with these words, Follow me. 
The thing that set them apart from other men is that they did. They did follow him. They followed Jesus and became his disciples. They traveled with him, dined with him, learned from him, and helped him minister to the people in Judea. The disciples became Jesus' friends and his closest companions for his earthly ministry. They got to experience the Messiah, the one who they had been waiting for for so many centuries and so many generations. These men, these disciples, are so important to the ministry of Jesus because they do something for us today, too. These men provide a contrast with Jesus and serve us by asking the questions that we want to ask while we're reading. Jesus says something profound and packed with meaning, and the disciples help us by asking Jesus, well, what does that mean? Or Jesus does something odd, and they ask, why did you do that? God knew that we needed the Bible to show real human interaction with Jesus, who, though he was human, was also God in the flesh. How do we understand God in the flesh? Well, the disciples help us. Let's listen to perhaps the most famous calling of a few of the disciples, especially a disciple that we get to know well in the Bible, this disciple who's called Simon Peter. Let's listen. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Here we see some things that often happen in the ministry of Jesus. A miracle or a teaching, followed by a calling, which is answered by a response. In this case, we see a miraculous catch of fish, followed by a calling to follow me. And then we see the enthusiastic response where they leave their nets and follow Jesus. Get used to seeing this in the life of Jesus. Often his teachings or his miracles divide people based upon their response. There are those who respond positively like these fishermen who follow Jesus, and there are those who respond negatively and leave or attempt to stifle the ministry of Jesus. What you don't often see are the lukewarm responses of shrugging shoulders or boredom. Jesus' message is a wonderful message with the wisest teaching and the most amazing miracles. But Jesus' message is also divisive. It separates people and brings out the heart of people, a heart of doubt or a heart of faith. And it's because of this. Jesus himself is the message. People are responding not primarily to the words of Jesus, 
but to Jesus himself. His miracles and his wisdom demonstrate that he is God and Messiah. But some people don't want it to be true and don't believe it to be true. We see this over and over again in the ministry of Jesus. One person responds in faith and another walks away. One joyfully receives Jesus and another wants to kill him. Tomorrow, we'll dip our toes in the teaching of Jesus and we'll see some of these responses to him, some in faith and some in doubt, some calling him Messiah and some claiming that he breaks the law that God gave their nation long ago. Responses that ultimately culminate a few years later in a crowd's fervor chanting, Crucify! Crucify! Thanks for listening to The Bible Brief. Have you donated to the Bible Literacy Foundation? We'd love for you to partner with us so that we can expand our reach and grow. Your support means more people will have access to the life-changing story and message of the Bible. The easy way to donate is to click the link in the show notes to this episode. Alternatively, you can go to our website, BibleLiteracyFoundation.com, and click Donate. Thank you for making this show possible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2022.